0: Let's pray. Almighty God, I pray that you would bless uh, both the reading and the uh, proclamation of your uh, holy word. May we uh, see Jesus only this morning. We ask in his name, amen. In my 21 years as being a pastor, I've done a fair bit of marriage counseling. I've seen a wide range of marriage difficulties. This morning, I want to tell you about one particular marriage that was beyond repair. Uh, it was so bad that the best that this couple could hope for, the best that I could hope for for this couple, was for one of the, parent, the partners to die so that the marriage would end. The husband, he was a really good man. He was a fair man. He could be accurately described as holy and righteous and good man. But his wife, well, she was something else. Uh, she was self-consumed. She disregarded her husband and she was forever offending him. When she did nice things for him, which was rare, but when she did nice things for him, it was only a ploy to manipulate him and get him or get what she wanted from him. The husband, for all his righteousness, he had no mercy, he none. Uh, every time that that she would mistreat him, he'd curse her. And he would say, you deserve to die. Needless to say, there was no love at all in this marriage. In spite of this, they were married to each other. So they stayed together till death do us part was their creed. Who could ever stand to live in such a marriage? You know what? I confess, it is my marriage. And it's also your marriage. I'm not describing our marriages to my spouse. I've got the most wonderful spouse uh, in the world. Sorry, all you other guys. You, you've missed out. Um, what I'm describing is our marriage to the law of God. Every person that's born into the world um, is... Married is in marriage to the law of God. When God created Adam, God placed him under a covenant of works. And this covenant uh, was an agreement uh, or an arrangement. Uh, it was an imposed agreement where God imposed it upon Adam. Uh, but basically, this arrangement said, as long as you... Live and, or as long as you obey me perfectly, Adam, you'll continue to live. But on the day that Adam disobeyed God, he would surely die. And though Adam violated that covenant, that covenant of works remains intact so that all of us are born under the same covenant when we are born into the world. So, for instance, you remember Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 28. A lawyer came up to Jesus and this lawyer had, uh, impure motives. He wanted to test Jesus. And so he said to Jesus, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Well, Jesus knew that this lawyer could never love God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength, with all his mind, much less love all his neighbors as he loved himself. Yet Jesus said this is the requirement for eternal life if you are going to pursue life through obeying the commandments you have to be perfectly obedient so jesus was making a true statement when he said do this and live because we are all under the covenant of works. We all, if we are going to seek to be righteous in and of ourselves by our obedience, we are required to be perfectly obedient. That's why we read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, All who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, curse be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law, and do them. I'm using, I use this illustration about marriage at the beginning of the sermon because uh, Paul used this same illustration. So I was basically... Fleshing out in a little more detail, with a little more imagination, the illustration that uh, Paul gives to us here at the beginning of Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. So, um, to remind you of it, even though it was just read, and I trust you have your Bibles open in your laps so that you can follow along with me, Paul says in Romans 7, beginning with verse 1, Or do you not know, brothers, Likewise, so here's he's going to make the uh, comparison. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. Why? So that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. So in the illustration, the husband is the law of God. And the law is not bad. Uh, if you peek ahead to verse 12, you'll see that Paul says that the law is holy and righteous. or the, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. That's why I said the man in the illustration could be said to be holy and righteous and good. That's why, in my, um, that's why I said he was also uh, fair. Because God's Word is good. His law is good. And the self-consumed, manipulative wife who is forever offending her husband in the illustration, well, that's Mandy. I mean, that's all of us. See if you're paying attention. It is me. It is my wife. It is you. It is my children. It is your children. It is everyone who is born as a child of Adam. We're rebellious to God's law. The book of Hosea illustrates this for us so clearly. God told Hosea to go and marry a harlot, knowing that this harlot was going to cheat on him repeatedly. God told Hosea that he could not divorce his wife, but keep her as his wife to illustrate to the Israelites their unfaithfulness to God. And this is how we appear outside of Jesus Christ. This is how we appear to God. We're unholy. We are uh, self-consumed. We are manipulative. We're forever offending God. We're forever breaking His law. We do nothing when we are outside of Jesus Christ but offend God, even at our best. We are offensive to God. And so the law then, like the husband in the illustration, continually condemns and curses us. Paul said that we need to be free from our marriage to the law in order that we might be married to Christ. But in order for that to happen, a death needs to occur. We might expect that Paul would say that the law died so that we would be free to remarry Christ. But look closely at verse 4. Does it say that the law died? No, it doesn't say that at all. It says that we died. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. See, the law could not die. The law is a reflection of God's holy and righteous nature. But in Christ, we died. Remember last week from Romans chapter 6? Paul said, in the week before as well, Paul said, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so in Christ, we died. When Christ died on the cross, He died as our substitute. He took our curse. He died in our place. As Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And verse 13 in Galatians continues and quotes from the Old Testament, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So Christ's death caused Him or rather caused us to die in Him, thereby dissolving our marriage to the law. Now this raises a few questions. Uh, There were several issues, several questions, but I'm only going to address three very briefly. The first issue is, uh, if I died to the law in Christ, then how can I be married to Him? In other words, Christ is not going to marry a corpse. So if we died in Christ, how are we going to marry Christ if we're dead? Well, look again at verse 4. He says, "...you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to Him who has been raised from the dead." So we've not only died in Christ, but we've also been raised in Christ. We're not marrying Christ as corpses. We're marrying Christ as people who have been raised from death to life in Him. Everything that needed to be done for us to be His beautiful bride, Christ, has done. So that's the first issue. If I died to the law in Christ, how can I be married to Him? We are raised in Him. second issue is our relationship to the law. If we've died uh, to the law in Christ and therefore been released in our marriage from the law, does that mean that we no longer have any obligations or any concerns with the law of God? Oh yes, we do have obligations. Yes, we do have great concerns uh, regarding the law of God. The law of God has now been written on our hearts. When Christ raised us to life, He wrote the law on our hearts. Instead of hating the law, like the woman in the illustration who hated and despised and continually and forever disobeyed her husband, Instead of hating the law, we love it in our hearts. We delight in it. We seek to obey it. For the Christian, the law is not an outmoded concern. It is a daily concern that we seek to obey. James chapter 2, verse 8 says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. There's this idea floating around in churches um, here in America and around the world that when you become a Christian, you no longer have to be concerned about the law of God. That's Old Testament. That's legalistic. Well, the Scripture plainly says that if we obey the royal law in Scripture, and then he quotes from the Old Testament, love your neighbor as yourself, you do well, and Jesus himself said in John chapter 14 verse 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. How do we know if we love Jesus? Are you obeying God's commandments? Do you love to obey God's commandments? Does it break your heart when you break His commandments? That's one of the surest signs to know whether you're a Christian. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, He it is who loves me. We don't keep the commandments in order to gain His love, but as a test of our love, are we keeping His commandments? Because what it shows is that we have died and now the law of God is written on our hearts, and we delight in it, and we love to obey it so we have we are to obey the law. We'll look more at this uh in chapter seven, verses seven through uh twelve next week. The law has not been reduced to simple, good advice. It is a reflection of God's holy nature. Has God's nature changed? No. But because we have died to the law and are married to Christ, we have a new disposition toward the law. We also have a new power to obey it. And we obey it, not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. We're new creatures in Christ. And so we, like David, love the law of God. The third issue is, what does it mean to be married to Christ? Well, it means we have a new relationship. We, salvation is not us improving our lives to the point that God will accept us and have a relationship with us. That's that's not it at all. Rather, we are Christians simply because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're married to Him. And this relationship that we have with Christ has privileges. We get His righteousness because we are united to Him. We get His grace because we are united to Him. We get His relationship with the Father because we are united with Him. We get His assurance of His love. We get His life When a couple comes to me for pre-marriage counseling, I always teach about the oneness of the marriage relationship and then the privileges that result from it. And this oneness that a husband has with his wife is modeled on the oneness that we share with Jesus Christ. We are truly blessed to be married to Jesus Christ and it just occurred to me you know we we talk about the marriage supper of the lamb um and so we look forward to being married to Christ at some later point well that's the consummation of the marriage relationship but the marriage to Christ is now a marriage typically is designed for bringing forth offspring? Well, this raises another question. You know, In our marriage with Jesus, we don't produce babies. But it is intended to be productive. We are to produce fruitfulness. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, here's the real purpose of the marriage, talking about the marriage between believers and Christ. We need one whose seed is so powerful, who can impregnate us with His own holy nature, That he will produce holiness even in us. And this is what Paul was talking about at the end of Romans chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. And now he's illustrated in verses 1 through 7, so I'm just going to stick with verses 1 through 7. Before we can look at how. God produces holiness in us. Uh, we need to follow Paul's thinking as he moves through this passage. He, takes, he veers off real quickly in verse 5 and talks about how death is produced in us. So he says, For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. So he's talking about how we in Christ, being married to Christ, are, produce fruit for God. But now he, he quickly in verse five veers off to talk about, uh, uh, before we came to Christ, before we were married to Christ. That we were still bearing fruit, but it was fruit for death. And he talks about how the law produced these works of death? Well, if the law is good, righteous, and holy, how does it produce death in us? You look at the the Pharisees who loved the law of God, who made sure that they Walked according to the law of God at every little point, and they had rule built on rule, built on top of other rules, in order to make sure that they obeyed the law of God, that they made sure that they would not break it. But what does Jesus say to them in Matthew chapter 23? He tells these Pharisees, They are the wicked, the most wicked of the wicked. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! He says over and over to them. So as they are trying so desperately to keep the law, what's happened is they have become more wicked than everybody else. Jesus says, make sure your righteousness succeeds that of the right the, the scribes and the Pharisees. They're trying to keep the law, but they're more wicked. And this is what Paul is saying is that the law produces wickedness in us. You know the most Heinous, the most wicked acts that have ever been uh, perpetrated in all of history are acts motivated by outraged righteousness. People, because they are so self-righteous and so uh, de- uh, determined that they are better than everybody else, Those people who don't measure up, they are cut down. And that's one way that the law, um, as it says, arouses our sinful passions Are aroused by the law. Other uh, times, people will seek to be personally righteous and the way they go about it outside of grace is through stern personal discipline and can be very hateful hateful towards others Um, or they'll take shortcuts around God's grace and they're basically telling God I know better than you other times in trying to be personally righteous and, and holy we just give up and we go in the opposite direction you know I see this with parents parents in trying to to uh, parent their children. Sometimes will just be law, 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 control, control, control. And what it does is it can turn the children to hate the parents. Other parents will be mercy, mercy, mercy without any discipline and will try and be their best friend or things like that, and the children lose respect for the parents. And so, what is the way forward? The same way that God treats us. A strong, good, righteous, holy, immovable law. And mercy, mercy, mercy. And they kiss each other. And that's what happened on the cross with our Lord Jesus Christ. He obeyed God's law perfectly, completely. And then he went to the cross and paid for our sins. Mercy and justice kissed. and we're the benefit. We, we, we were the beneficiaries. What is the fruit, then, of this marriage between us and Christ? Well, look at verse six. "But now we are released from the law. okay The law, or we have died. We're, we're released from the law having died to that which held us captive, so that now, in Christ, we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. In other words, that we have a whole new way of life. But it's not based on our wisdom. It's not based on our power. It is life in the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who has made His home in our heart. It's a whole new life. We're remade in the image of God. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing in us. We're restored. We, as Christians, can experience true joy, true love, true mercy, unlike the world can, can experience. We can know the joy and the blessedness of obeying God's law. And then, also, we're released from the law, but not simply go our own way. We are released to serve. To serve the Lord. As it says here, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we might serve in the new way of the Spirit. And not in the old way of the written code. How's your service towards God? How's your service towards other Christians? How's your service towards your neighbor? If you are in Christ, you are released from the law so that you can serve, so that you can serve, so that you can serve. So let me ask you how do you live? Do you live in the bondage. Of marriage to the law? Or do you live in the freedom of the Spirit in this new way of life as we are married to Christ? What is your motivation for life? Is it God and Christ or is it self? If you find that it's self, I have a proposal for you. A marriage proposal, if you will. It's a marriage proposal from Christ Himself as, as I, a minister of God, uh, give it to you. Be married to Jesus Christ. Take His hand in marriage. Die to yourself. Die to the law in Christ. Be raised up in newness of life with Him and live in this marriage relationship with Jesus Christ that will have no end. It begins now. It's consummated at the great uh, wedding supper of the Lamb. And it will continue forever and ever and ever. And when you get to the end of eternity, you realize you still have eternity to go with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for our marriage to Christ. Lord, we bewail all the ways in which we dishonor You. And we flee afresh and anew to Christ for the forgiveness and restoration, the joy that we so treasure through Him. We pray in His name. Amen.